If you open your bulletin, you'll see where we're going to be. We're going to be in John 21, Luke 5, and Luke 15 this morning. As I alluded to in the pastoral prayer, um, we're going to be talking about uh, the restoration of Peter. Uh, we talked about Peter. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times, right? Before the rooster crows, twice you'll deny me three times. And he's like, I'll never deny you. I'll die before I deny you. And then Jesus really changes. Jesus didn't change at all. Jesus really revealed that he really was going to die that day, that he really was here for sin. He wasn't really here to conquer the Romans. And Peter didn't know how to handle that. This is not the Jesus that I know about. This is not the Jesus that I thought I had built up in my mind. And so when Jesus, when Peter gets to the place where Jesus is in the torture and the accusations and the things, and Jesus isn't standing up for himself, he's like, I don't understand this guy. I don't understand. Well, if you ever get into an argument and you're wondering, I don't agree with that person and what they're saying is, is not true, we have a tendency that we want to speak over people, and so we will raise our voice and it become a shouting match. But honestly, when you talk to somebody and you start raising your voice, that means the facts that you have aren't valid, and so you validate the facts by raising your voice. It, lose their val- it loses their validation. And if you can come with a calm, clear, collected voice, and restate your facts, maybe sometimes in a different way, or just say them again. Um, it shows that the facts are able to stand on. And I think that's where Jesus was at. Everything I've done to this point, everything I've come to do, it's, it's laid out before you. I'm not changing who I am. Just because you accuse me of doing something, that's not who I was, and I don't have to, I don't have to stand up for myself because my actions spoke for them just fine while I was here. And with that, he also fulfilled Scripture, didn't he? Um, It says that Scripture, that his disciples will be scattered uh, amongst them, also will have Niam, who was supposed to be the leader of all those disciples. It was supposed to be Peter, right? And here we find Peter at the end of John, and he is in a bad way. Well, is he in a bad way? Because he's denied Jesus. There's, there's something between him. He's got to get right, right? He understands the concept of when his feet are washed, that he has to get right with God, and he needs to take and wash his hands and feet. doesn't need to take a whole bath, but he kind of feels like he's in an old, a whole bath situation because he denied him three times right when he needed him and it says in another one of the gospels that he looked right over at peter locked his eyes with him and says i kind of like now nah, i told you so but there there was a third one right and peter's in a bad way goes off he is in a very similar situation to judas who we talked about early on in the in the thing judas uh just pretty much 
denied Jesus all the way in the fact that he was willing to give him up because I think Judas out of most of the disciples figured out before they did that Jesus wasn't going to be this conquering king, that he was really going to die for the sins. And Judas didn't know how to handle that. This is just my opinion. But he's like, I'm not going to follow a leader. We have an opportunity to make this revolt. We're going to make this revolt happen. And when he realizes what he's done, he tries to, to roll it back in and he can't. It's loosed, it's out of the bag, and he is left with his own despair. And what's Judas do? Buys a field and hangs himself, right? He hangs himself there, and he gives up. Well, Peter hangs on. And if you ever look at John 17, you ever look at um, some of the other Gospels, there's some hints to why Peter hung on. Um... It says that Satan asked that he be sifted out, and Jesus prayed, intervenes for him right there. There's a time where he prays for his disciples that they wouldn't be away while he is away, that God would intervene, that the Spirit would come down and, and protect these 12 because Jesus wasn't there to do it during this time. And Peter is in a bad way, but he pulls through, and he gets to the resurrection, and he hears what's going on. He runs to the tomb, right? He runs there, but he gets part way, and John runs on ahead. It says, well, either John's younger, more fit for it, which could be that, or Peter's left in his doubt. What if he's there? What if he's not there? What if he's standing right outside the door? What, what am I going to do? Well, it's Jesus, and if he's alive, I want to know. So then he keeps going, and he makes it in. Not only does he get to the tomb, Peter, in his boldness, as we always see, runs right in. He goes right in. He sees the cover, folded up, and he wonders what he means. John goes in, he sees the cover folded up, and he knows exactly what it means. And he walks out, believing Right? And then Jesus reveals himself several times to people, and this is one of those times. Okay, they're out fishing. Uh, he takes some that are fishermen with him, and he takes some that have no, be- no business being in a boat with him as well. It's like, yeah, that wasn't your profession. But they don't know what to do. There's, there's a time frame. They've spent all this money on the Passover meal. They need to get things together. They... They don't know what is next in the ministry. They're not sure how to go. Peter knows one thing. I know how to fish. I'm going to go back to fish. And Simon, verse 3, I'll pick it up because it's kind of what it says. Simon says, I'm going fishing. We're coming too, they said. So they all went out in the boat, and they caught nothing all night at dawn jesus was standing on the beach but the disciples couldn't see who it was he called out fellows have you caught any fish they replied no he says throw your nets on the other side of the boat and you'll get some so they did and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it then the disciples The disciple Jesus loved, which is John, said to Peter, It's the Lord. Then Simon Peter, 
heard that it was the Lord, and he put it in, on his tunic, for he had stripped off for work. He jumped into the water and headed to the shore. The others stayed in the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were the only about 100 yards from the shore. When they got there, they took from the shore... Where the, where, let me start over down, verse 8. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you have caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore, and there were 153 large fish Yet the nets had not torn. Okay. What's that say to you? John knew how many fish there were in those nets, right? John was a fisherman. Large fish. There could have been other fish, or it could have been just 153 large fish. We don't know. It doesn't say that. We know that there's 153 large fish. We don't know if there's 92 little ones, right? They don't count the little ones. They count and they keep the, the big ones. So either the whole net was 153 large fish or there's 153 large fish. It doesn't really matter, honestly. What matters is what Jesus is telling them, I'm going to provide for you. 153 large fish to a fisherman, he knows exactly how much profit is out of that. He knows exactly who is providing for him. After they've fished all night long and they don't have anything, well, we're going to come back to, to John, but we're going to go back to Luke. Luke chapter 5, because it's going to remind us of a story. Luke chapter 5, verse 1, is where we're going to be at. It says this. It says, One day Jesus was preaching on the, sh the shore of the Sea of Galilee when the great crowds pressed in on him, and listened to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats on the edge of the water, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now get out where it is deeper and let your nets down for the catch. Master, Simon said, we worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I will let down the nets. Again, this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for his brothers to help and brought their partners over in the boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, okay, this is important. When Simon Peter realized what happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O oh Lord, please leave me. I am too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish he had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Do not be afraid. For now on, you will be fishes, fishing for people. Fishes of people. Oh, man. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. 
Can you see the parallels between the two passages? You have both times they go out and fish. Both times they're out all night. Both times Jesus sends them out, sends, tells them to fish on the other side of the boat, which is unorthodox. And they're like, well, because you say so, I will. And when they get done, in one instance, they were so full that the nets were tearing. They were so full. The second instance, they were so full and they didn't tear. Right? God is providing for them both times. God does it another time for Peter. He says he's got to provide for his taxes. And he asks Peter to go down and fish, pull out one fish. Inside that fish is going to have a denarii. You pay for your taxes and pay for my taxes both. It'll cover both of us. He goes down there and pulls out a fish. He's got his taxes. You think there's one thing that... uh, the Lord is working on Peter is that I will provide according to my, his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Our God will meet all our needs, right? My good VBS song coming back, helping me out there. Do not be afraid. Why did Jesus say do not be afraid? And why did Peter have fear? Okay? For fishermen to go out, fishermen, I see a couple of them over there anyway, right? You know the conditions, right? You know when they're not biting. You know when you don't have the right um, tackle with you. Uh, It's the same case in these guys. They had nets. They know when the the streams, the currents aren't going the right way. He just knows it's not going to, if we've done it all night, I've tried all the tricks this is their living. They knew what they were doing. It's like uh, telling a, a farmer in the middle of a drought, just put water to it. Well, no kidding. <laughs> right? It's kind of out of their hands, right? There's sometimes when nature is just out of our hands. It's like a, a hunter that goes hunting and he gets to the deer stand and he's like, well, why didn't you just shoot? Well, there's nothing walked by. That's why. <laughs> there wasn't anything to shoot. You know, and that's the same with fish sometimes they're just not there and so when the fish show up they would recognize that miracle right away bless you peter's put all his effort into these fish he's put all his effort into making this happen to make it a profitable day and he gets out there and jesus says to do it one more time and he does it Jesus tells him to throw the nets on the other side in John chapter 21. And he does it. What's that called? He says, because you said to do it, I will, I will do it. That's called faith, right? Did he see the fish under there? Maybe they've been haunting him all night. Maybe they've been 10 feet under his net and just be like, they're right there. I don't know. You can't see in the water at night right? You can see maybe sometimes in the day, I'm sure there were cleaner lakes and rivers back then than there are now, but he had to go in faith, and can you imagine, you ever, this is my weirdness, here's your weird pastor, you ever wonder what was in that fish's head uh, when God said, uh, 
hey, carp, I need you to jump into his nets now, you know? It's like, I'm going to sacrifice for the Lord, you know? Me too! You know, they just jump in there. That's me, yeah. Good times right there. Peter recognized it the first time, and he says, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. He understood that God had power over all creation. He understood that there. And he understood it in John chapter 21. He knew what was happening. He knew what was up. Back to John chapter 21. Jesus invites them to breakfast then. And none of the disciples said, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus served them breakfast and fish, once again serving them, just like he washed their feet before. Now he is serving them food. Because this is the third time that Jesus appeared to them. The disciples had been raised after he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus goes into the hard work. What's he call Peter? Verse 15, what's he call him? It says, he says, Simon, son of John. He doesn't call him Peter. Who gave him Peter's name? Jesus gave him Peter's, the name Peter. That's say right, right? Simon is not, uh, they don't mean the same thing, right? Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What's he talking about? He's talking about the 53 ship, 153 fish, right? And the meal that is provided, the provision, I'm going to provide you. I'll be with you. I'll be taking care of you always. Do you believe that? Do you believe that I can do that? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus replied, repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter says, you know, I love you. What's interesting on those love, we talked about this last year, um, when Jesus asks, if you love me, he's saying, do you agape, do you love me more than anything? And Peter replies, I love you with a brotherly love. Because he says, I can't love you more than anything. You've seen that I can't love you more than anything. I've denied you three times. Of course I can't love you more than anything. So he, he's humble enough to recognize that. But the third time, Jesus asks him, do you love me? He asks, do you phileo me, which is brotherly love? And that breaks Peter because he doesn't want Jesus to love him like that. He wants him to love him unconditionally, Right? And so for God to love us unconditionally, it kind of shows that there's a, a relationship that needs to happen, that we need to love him unconditionally as well. And he says, you know all things, Lord. I love you unconditionally. I love you with agape love. Peter was hurt when he asked the question the third time. He says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And then he says, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do what you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But 
when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and the others will dress you and take you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to let him know what kind of death he would glorify God. And then he said, follow me. He says, you're going to die. If you keep following me, you're going to die. You're going to die the exact same way I just died. You're going to be crucified. And he was. Peter was crucified, except for he didn't feel himself worthy to be crucified right side up because he didn't want to be crucified like Jesus because he got it. And he has to be crucified upside down, which is much more painful and much harder. And he didn't do that to show up Jesus. He did it because he felt he wasn't worthy, right? But Peter being Peter and us being us, we would ask the same question that he asked in verse 20. He turns to John and says, well, what about him? And Jesus says, don't be concerned about him. Just follow me. He's got to deal with his thing. I'm going to deal with you. You keep your eyes on you. It's like in second grade. Be like, well, Danny did it too. Well, you worry about yourself, Shane. Danny will worry about Danny. Right? That's what Peter just did right there. You learn everything you need to know in kindergarten. Right? So you have God's going to provide God's going to be there. God's going to take care of us. God's watching over us. God takes care of his sheep. You see that in John chapter 1. You see that in Luke 5. He keeps that theme throughout Peter's life. You see it in the rest of the story. Um, In the Acts when Paul has got to correct him. And I think that's Galatians, but I'm not 100% sure. Keep your eyes on the prize. I want to encourage you guys this morning. Keep your eyes on the prize to understand what the Lord has given us. What that? I'm not sure what you're talking about, CJ. We'll have to. We'll talk to him after, okay? Okay. And God is watching over Peter, and He continues to do that, and He watches over each one of us. He knows. He knows what's going on. He knows the pain that we're in. He knows the suffering. He also knows the joys and delights. And I, always, I used to only say the pain and the sorrow, right? But how many people have you seen turn to the Lord in the pain and the sorrow, but as soon as it gets good again, they just jump out? God's in those too. And guess what? God deserves that glory. We don't. And when you go to him in the pain and the sorrow and you're willing to give him the the glory then after he's raised you out of the the trenches, but then you go about your lifestyle after that, um, it's kind of a shallow faith, if it's faith at all. It's kind of where Peter is at right now. Peter gets his act together. We have... What's next, right? So, love God, love others. That's what we just talked about in a sense right there, right? How do you love God? Do you love others? How do you love others? You love God. They go hand in hand. You can't do one without the other. You can't have it, in a sense, both ways. But then we have make disciples. We're supposed to make disciples, right? 
Luke 15. Luke 15 says, The tax collectors and other notorious sinners often come to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Oh, how dare they? All right, let's continue on. Jesus told them this story. Man, okay, anytime you start a passage like that, by the way, you know the story is going to be a zinger. He is going to get those Pharisees and just like, wham, just right where it hurts. He does it three times in a row. It says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them is lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go and search for the one he has lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home into it home on his shoulders where when he arrives he will call to the others of his friends and neighbors and say rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep in the same way there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and have strayed away why does the shepherd carry the sheep why doesn't he just prod them along why doesn't he call to him and have him come? He's training that sheep, folks. When he's coming back from the cliff that it was down or the ravine it got stuck in or anything. You ever seen that, that video when the, the guy pulls the, the sheep out of the ditch and it takes two steps and it jumps right back in? It's like me with my walk with Jesus, right? I... I'm like, yeah, thanks, God, you saved me. I'm good to go, choo, 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 right back into the, the trench, right back in the slop and the mud that he just saved me from. Yeah, sheep are dumb, and so are we, and they have bad eyesight. So that shepherd puts him up on his shoulders because sheep have really good hearing. And he is giving that sheep a lesson in listening to the shepherd's voice. And he's come alongside that sheep, and he's talking to that sheep all the way in, and he's training that sheep to hear the sound of his voice, whether it's the call that he uses to call the sheep in. We had a call for calling our cows in. Uh, I won't do it now. But we had, uh, and they hear your voice, and they, they know it, they memorize it, and they go. But... They can feel the resonance when it's on his, over his shoulders. They can feel that coming up through, and, and they understand that this is somebody that's protecting me, that's somebody that cares for me. So that's one reason why he's carrying that, that sheep. Sometimes when it's a baby sheep, it's younger, and they don't know, and they need more time, they'll even break one of their legs, not in a, not in a bad spot, but he'll splint it, and he'll, that baby or that lamb will spend some time up on his shoulders and then he'll know and by the time he gets done that that lamb will not stray away from that shepherd but he goes after he leaves the 99 and he goes after the one and this is where i'm kind of going this morning there's opportunities in our lives to minister to hundreds of people right 
we have an opportunity to cross paths with several people. And every time we cross paths with somebody, we have an opportunity to just share the gospel of Jesus. Um, I have the privilege to be your pastor and get to do that full time. And there's a, sometimes in each one of those instances where you see one walk away. You see one stray and you pursue them and you pursue them and you pursue them. And they don't ever come back. And you have an opportunity to train others up, make disciples who make disciples, right? Because sometimes those disciple makers have an opportunity to have an ear for that one that's straight away that you won't ever get to talk to ever again. And I won't say that I... I get upset when, when somebody leaves youth group. I get upset when somebody leaves the church. I, I get upset because um, some, a lot of times there's unwritten things that either I can't change or they can't change. Um, but if we would have communicated through the process, it, we probably could have worked together and we could have made things work or we could have seen how it works just fine together. And we're getting worked up over a bunch of nothing. And I've seen that so many times. I can name names on why that's happened and things. And it, it breaks my heart, Right? I'm human. I'm still learning. Um, sometimes I've learned that I've pushed too hard and I don't need to push that hard. And sometimes I needed to, to push harder. And we're trying to figure out all that out, right? But I also know that I've got to stand on God's truth. And sometimes God's truth is harsh. And it's not what people want to hear. Sometimes I might not be the right messenger for that person or people. And as we go along, I've seen opportunities where uh, youth have walked away and, they, and they've come back to the Lord many a time. One of those was Clayton. I talked to him, the last time I talked to him about Jesus, um, he, was one of, he was the one that had strayed away. And I talked to him in a way that said, I, I nailed it. I had the, the gospel laid out. Jesus died for you. Um, he rose again. What do you think about that? What do you, and he says, I don't know. I just don't know. He looked me square in the eye, and he told me that. And I just, I look like, I look like an idiot. I sat there with my mouth open. I'm like, man, how many youth have you gone through? How many times have I seen you raise your hand? And you just, he had unanswered questions that he needed answers to. And then I got my buddy Jay. I didn't have an audience with Clayton anymore. It was about the last time I ever got to see him at that youth crew. It was about the last time I saw you, Tanner, right? It's about the last time I saw Clayton. We get to see each other. We talk. We're friendly, but we never got to talk about Jesus anymore. But Jay did. That kid don't stop talking about Jesus, right? And he bring up God a lot. 
And you heard his testimony. Some of you did yesterday. If you didn't, um, he, he brought him, was able to bring it up enough to, that Clayton had understanding. Because I know Clayton knew. I know he knew Jesus. And I was affirmed in the disciple-making process. When Jay was able to have that conversation, one, it gave me closure. But inside, I'm leaping for joy because it is not my responsibility to bring everybody to Jesus, is it? It's Jesus' responsibility to bring everybody to him. Sometimes he chooses to use me. But more often, folks, he chooses to use other sheep to bring other sheep to Jesus. And when we follow along, and we understand that, man, he can use, do some mighty things. And that was a reminder that I got yesterday. When Jesus used Jay as his conduit to share the love of Jesus one more time, hours, maybe even minutes, before Clayton passed away. Clayton and I had understanding, had to work through some anger, Jay understood that because he had to work through some anger. I was so proud of that kid. And now I can rest easy. It is hard. And this is, this is getting really real here. It is hard busting your butt with these kids and watch them go to college and leave church. It is hard to do that. But sometimes God says, or, or working or whatever, doing their own thing. But God says plant seeds anyway. Right? And I can tell you from experience, if you plant seeds, she's tapping, I saw. I'm ready. I'm almost done. I'll close with this. When you can plant seeds like that, it is amazing to see what God will do with those down the road. And you have to have faith, just like Peter had to have faith that he's going to provide. You have to have faith that God's going to grow that plant and produce a crop down the road. It's not always my um, timing. It is always his timing. Right? Beth Lusk was one of the ones that we got to see a little bit, and that was just as encouraging. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for our time together, and we thank you that you are watching over us. We thank you for um, friends like Jay, like Clayton, like all the other boys that were in that group, and the girls as well. Lord, we thank you for the current members of White Rose and the current ones in, in youth. Lord, sometimes they make us pull out our hair and turn it gray, but Lord, other times they are a delight and we choose to see the delight over the pain. We thank you for your wonderful kindness. We thank you for your forgiveness and watching over us. And Lord, we thank you that you revealed yourself to us through your word, through others, and through the example that you set for each one of us. We ask that you would guide and direct our hearts closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.